This is weird shit that my mom says. I'm Jules Creighton. And I'm Cece Alice. We're just a couple of best sister friends that live like a billion miles apart from each other. Recording a true crime and paranormal podcast so that we can hang out together a little bit more. And also with you guys, hopefully. Yeah. Or not if we suck. I thought you said word. That would be cool. But I didn't say that. That wouldn't be cool. I'm not cool enough to say word. You're not. No. Okay. Moving on here. We got some rules about how we're going to run this show as we go forward. We are both in the same line of work, which is super stifling. We don't get to say anything fun. We always have to be politically correct. And we don't really get to swear. Yeah, for real. No, I swear at work. Because my industry is a little bit more fun. I swear behind closed doors. Oh, that's a bummer. It is. It is. But nobody really gets to know the real me. Yeah. What other rules do we have? Well, we got some other, well, the name rule. We're not going to use our real names. Oh, yeah, because our kids would get super embarrassed. Yeah. We have like a billion kids. And by that, I mean like I have a billion kids and Cece has one. But they are of an age that they would be really mortified By us being on a podcast. There's another note on here of something I'm supposed to say that Cece wrote, but I can't read it correctly. You're not allowed to know where we live. Oh, yeah, you can't know where we live. Because that might give us away. Yeah, this is a big old mystery. Because if you live in the city and you're like, oh, my God, that sounds like Cece, but my real name, you might figure me out. Same. Nobody nobody from here is going to hear us. No, nobody from here is going to hear us. Well, well. Or in, in the town I live Our other rule is don't get mad at us about pronunciation. Oh, yeah. And don't write a book part. Wait. (laughs) Try it again. (laughs) Don't write a book report about anything we say because, honestly, we're just having fun. And that does not mean that we are accurate at all. We're working off of old-timey newspaper articles here, too. And those people didn't give a fuck if they told the truth. And neither does Google. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So with that, we're going to get started with... In a uh, case that tells you a little bit more about why we're so into true crime. I think it's because it just runs through our veins. Yeah, we, we've got some, some shady history with true crime in my, in my life life. Not me. I'm not a criminal. With that, let's get into our first case. We're going to be talking about murder grandpa. Murder grandpa. Murder grandpa. Jean-Philippe Sequet. He's our third great-grandfather, and we'll just start off by telling you a little bit about him and how he came to be. He was born in 1827 in Belgium. He grows up there. We don't know anything about it because, like, for real, it's 1827 in Belgium, right? But he, he grows up there, and he meets his wife, his first wife, Marie Catherine Gillard. 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 I'm just going to call her Catherine. Literally every woman in this episode is named Marie. Can you just, I know that there's multiple women. Can we just go to like referring to them as like wife number one? Wifey number one, Catherine. Okay, wifey number one. Yeah, so they, they get married in 1850. They're both 22, 23 years old or so. Yeah, pretty old to get married in the old time. It really is. Like by that time they should have had... Like a crap ton of kids. They seriously should have had like so many kids. You'd think people were banging left and right. Right? And there's no birth control? Or are they using like fake condoms? I'm pretty sure that they had like lambskins. Did they use like lamb intestines? Ooh. All right, let's skip that part. But you'd think that they wanted to bang some out. You know, they did have a daughter though. When they were 26 years old, they gave birth to their first daughter. They gave birth, she gave birth. It took them two years to have a baby. It took them like four years to have a baby. Oh, no. Yeah, olden days. There was something wrong with her. I know. That's a bummer. But I'm going to stick to that. Yeah. Not something present day wrong with her, though. Old timey days wrong with her. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Modern medicine being what it is. For real. So they have her other 26-year-old. Her name is Marie Henriette. I'm going to call her Henriette or daughter number one. Okay. Yeah. So she's born in 1853. And when she's two years old, they decide that they're going to come over to the United States and live. So Jean, murder grandpa, and Catherine, wife number one, along with two-year-old Henriette, board the Henry Reed from Antwerp. And then they land in New York in June of 
20 or sorry, June 26th of 1855. Okay. Yeah. Everything's going okay there for the most part. So they, they land in New York. They head for Green Bay, which is at the mouth of the Fox River in Lake Michigan. You may be familiar with the Green Bay Packers. Ew. The three people that are listening to this, if you're not yes, from three this people. area. So, three people that are listening, the Green Bay Packers are gross. Like, they're the grossest colors. We don't like them. But, yeah, they buy a town in Preble, which is part of Green Bay now. Does it make you kind of want to say, like, Preble, Preble, who can I turn to? I hadn't even thought of that, but I really like it. Okay. When they get there, they do get one of the best farms in Brown County. I guess the land was super cheap there, and Belgians are flocking to it like madmen. Just waffles everywhere. Yeah, they're like, they get there, and they're like, here's a waffle, and here's a waffle. And you get a waffle, and you get a waffle, and here's a chocolate. Yeah, and there's all these Belgians. They don't have to learn how to speak English, which is super cool for them. And it's really a booming time in Green Bay. Stuff's going on. There's people coming everywhere. Infrastructure's being built. All this cool stuff. And they really get into, like, farming, iron, lumber, and paper products. It sounds really exciting. It was also the first Wisconsin town to have a newspaper. And really? the first Wisconsin city to receive mail. That's that's pretty cool. I know. It is pretty cool. Hmm. So, Jean and wife number one, Catherine, they work the farm together and she takes care of the house as well the land did super well and he became wealthy pretty quickly nice yeah um the couple fought often as described by neighbors i don't really understand how the neighbors know when they're on a farm they must have been like really fucking loud it could be like you said that they were near the water right yeah so he could seriously be like fuck you bitch and it's just like (laughs) fuck you fuck you yeah that probably must be what happened but after one that they considered to be like super crazy Catherine was found lying dead on the floor the next morning by jean that escalated quickly yeah like it went from fuck you fuck you to (sighs) yeah so he had to ask some neighbors to come over and help him move the body and he casual yeah her head's like battered and bruised there's a big cut around like cut on her face and then like her neck is broken so he's He's seriously, just back up a second. So he's seriously like, hello, excuse me. Can I, can I borrow some syrup for my waffles? And also, could you help me scoop up my wife's brains? Yeah, they were probably like cooking Belgian waffles and they were like coming over for some waffles and clean up. But they were probably like, no problem, bro. I'm, I'm on my way. It's I'm the 1800s. I think people just died like willy nilly all the time. I, yeah. 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 I think that's the way it was. So nobody questioned it. She's just like, oh, well, she fell down the stairs. She died. And and that's that. She's 29 years old at the time. So, you know. She had a good run. Yeah. So let's move on. Obviously, like little Henriette, she needs a sibling. Not a sibling, maybe, but a mom. And a lot of siblings. (laughs) She gets one? She gets. She gets so many. So like somebody's uterus is not broken. Yeah. So very shortly after he gets a new wife her name is esperance her name actually is marie josephe esperance Hanon. <laughs> okay so she's number two yeah we're gonna call her esperance wife number two okay all right so wife number two she's only 19 years old what the fuck yeah um, most records that I found said that they got married in 1860, but their first daughter was born in 1857. And he was how old? He would have been 29. Oh, okay, okay. I guess that's that, that's 10 years. That That's not as bad. He's just cutting 10 years off. Okay. You know, yeah, back then. Wife. I mean, like, they would have tried to give the daughter away when she was, what, like 16? So, I mean, like, she was already, like, three years into her. Sure. So... They ended up being married for 16 years. They had eight children together. So it seems like, I mean, like, they're at least getting it. They like each other some. Yeah, yeah. Um, Neighbors mentioned that wife number two, Esperance, and murder grandpa Jean had a really friendly marriage until their new neighbor, August Mainsart, moves to the farm next door with his young, beautiful wife. We don't know exactly how beautiful she was. Jean is described as being cross-eyed with a scraggly (laughs) beard. But he was rich, so, you know, he could have been getting some good ones. This young, beautiful wife's name was Elvira Mainsart. Her name translated to English as Elvira. So I'm going to refer to her as Elvira right now. Queen of the dark. Yeah. 
Elvira moves in. She's 20 years younger than Jean. And every time her husband August is out, Jean seems to be over at the farm, according to the neighbors. And she's not sure who he's looking at. Do you get it? Because his (laughs) eyes are crossed. Yeah, his eyes are crossed. She's like, are you looking at me? Are you like looking at my dog in the corner? Maybe that's how it started. Maybe that's how their romance blossomed. Maybe she felt bad for him. She was like, oh. This old man can't see. Look at that gross old man with the. He was, I mean, he wasn't old. He was 46. Like, I really don't want that to be considered old. But against a 26-year-old. Against a 26-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is she seeing in him? Yeah. So he's seen at the, the neighbors really frequently while August is out. And at least in one of those circumstances, neighbors did witness wife number two, Esperance, going over to the main start farm and confronting jean oh like okay so like dude goes over there and he's like what the fuck are you cross-eyed looking at my wife for yeah okay well no the dude august didn't but his wife so she comes over and she's like what are you cross-eyed looking at the neighbor girl for oh yeah that's what i meant that's what i meant like like august is going over there and he's confronting Murder Grandpa. No, August never confronted Murder Grandpa. Oh, I'm disappointed. Wife number two confronts Murder Grandpa at August's house. See, oh, I August made up like a whole there. byline there. It probably. It I thought they were going to fight and that he was going to try to punch him, but he couldn't see him right. I wish that had happened. And maybe it did. We don't know. It might have. Because like that part, no, nobody knows. I think they boxed in the field. Okay. I believe you it. Yep. Okay. They boxed in the field. Okay. That happened. Shortly after they boxed in the field, on June 3rd, 1873, neighbor August Mansart dies of a sudden illness. He just fucking dies? Yeah, he just fucking dies. Just Surprise, motherfucker. Yeah, he gets like a tummy illness and just passes away. A tummy illness. I think everybody, like, everybody died from diarrhea. He could have been vomiting. Like, he could have vomited to death. If he was vomiting, he was definitely pooping, though. He pooped his pants. Yeah, for sure. The 1800s, people die of tummy illness all the time. Right? Like, it's just part of what goes on. And so, Jean and wife number two, Esperance, they're having their their eighth baby together at this point. And so, she gives birth on June 13th, 1873. Dad's birthday. Oh. But, you know, a little bit before that. So, dad's not that old. But June 13th gives birth. She's all great after the birth. Doctors come and visit her. And they're like, oh, she's doing good after this eighth baby that she's had and friends come to visit and say like she's doing great like she is spry she's spry she's doing fine and it's fixing some vittles after the birth she probably had to like cook dinner still and stuff she did she was a woman they had to do things yeah she's fine but then two days later she dies with symptoms that are really similar to august such as such as diarrhea and vomiting (laughs) (laughs) she also had some darkening of the skin. Because totally, after you have a baby, that's what happens. Your skin turns black. It's just black and brittle. Black and brittle. Yeah. Ashen. Yeah. She was only 34 years old when she died. Oh, fuck. And she gets buried in the cemetery in Green Bay. Okay, well. Maybe right next to the other wife. I wonder that. I kind of want to go to that cemetery and be like, are all the wives buried next to each other? Is that how that happens? Like, how does that work? I don't know. When you have multiple wives... And you just have like a family cemetery. It's like, it's like that. What's that show where they have the sister wives? Remember when we told dad that we were going to be sister wives and he got really fucking pissed? Yeah. But it wasn't true. <laughs> it we didn't wasn't. do that. That would be. We didn't marry the same man, but we did kind of sister wife it, like taking care of each other's kids. We just like to upset my dad, really. Yeah, yeah it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so sister so, wives in the cemetery. Yeah, sister wife is in the cemetery. Everything's good. You know, she dies. It's the 1800s. Like, eh, that's that's a little bit weird. But there was one person who came to visit her, like, right before her death when she started to not feel really well. And this person is a little bit suspicious because after, like, she's over there. Jean is feeling Esperance, her, her food. He's giving her gruel and he keeps, like, jamming it into her mouth, basically. He's like, here, take this shit. Take it. Which, like, okay, Whoa. you're trying to take care of your wife and make sure she eats. Except for that, it was super suspicious. He did wash the bowl after forcing her to eat it. And what man back in that time would go and take care of his wife? Wouldn't he, like, call somebody and be like, somebody needs to come take care of this bitch? 
that it got the rumor mill talking like people back then were like what is this man and why is he washing this dish why is he being domestic yeah like why is he just handing it to one of his daughters to wash if his wife just died yeah he had he had some some kids that were older esperance is dead august is dead so six months later Wife number two, because she's gone, he marries wife number three, which is Elvira, the next door neighbor. Elvira. True story. That's her. Yeah, she comes on board. So we have wife number three, six months later. And in addition to having this newer, younger wife, his farm gets bigger. Did they also have, like, did Elvira have kids with August? There's no mention of them. Did they just have like a billion fucking kids and then they just had like multiple farmhouses? I have so many questions. Yeah, there's not a lot of things that are talked about as far as like her children with with August. I would imagine that she would have had them, but maybe they weren't married for very long. Maybe. I don't know exactly when they even moved. She was 26. She should have been married for like 12 years already. I know. I know. I really don't know. Well, I'm disappointed. I said, I know, I know, but I really don't know. I'm disappointed um, in you. Yeah. I apologize, but I do know that the farm got bigger because Elvira gets that farm, and then they just add it on to the farm that they have. So they got a super giant farm and a family of sister wives in the cemetery. Yeah. And that's where we are. And that is where we are. Uh, but this is obviously a little bit suspicious to the people around them, right? Shortly after they get married in early 1874, Elvira ends up getting charged with the murder of her husband. Really? Yeah. They decided to exhume August and they found poison in his stomach. It was arsenic. Was that common, do you think, back then to find, like, is that something that they knew about? Like finding arsenic in the the tummies? Arsenic was available everywhere. You could go into a store and it was like, here's some flour and here's some sugar and here's some arsenic. And it wasn't everything. It was in the wallpapers that they put on the wall. Sometimes they put it into food products and trace amounts. Just little kids be like fucking licking the walls. Yeah. And then they also prescribed it. Yeah. They prescribed it to people as a medicine. What would what would you get prescribed arsenic for? I don't really know. I didn't look that far into it. Take some arsenic about it. Yeah. They're I like, have a headache. Take some arsenic about it. Tummy ache? Arsenic. Cross eyes? Arsenic. arsenic. People were murdering other people really, really frequently with arsenic. The symptoms were basically the same as cholera, and people died from cholera all the time. So if you wanted to kill somebody, especially your spouses, I guess spouses were like a big target back in the day. So that's what they did. And because people died all the time, that was a thing. There are some symptoms, you know, that come along with with arsenic that you wouldn't see in cholera. What are those symptoms? Your skin turns dark. Oh, yeah, that's right. You turn into a crunchy ass motherfucker. I don't know if it was crunchy, but there's I imagine it to be like crunchy. Okay, okay. I feel like it's like ashen black and like their skin is flaking off. The thing I was most concerned about, I'm like, how do they know that there's poison in this guy's stomach? And so I did look into that and I found out that forensic toxicology and like that allowed them to identify arsenic in somebody's stomach after death was developed in 1836. That's interesting. Because people were arsenic poisoning people constantly. Well, because you had to kill your spouse to get rid of them. Yeah. they. I mean, that's they the had only to do they had way. To do. But they, they did figure it out. Um, I don't understand the science behind it. And so I quit reading as soon as I found out that it was just available then. Sometimes sometime we, we will get our, our, uh, our resident forensic expert on the show we will we will let's talk about him later on yes i like that we're gonna need that after all this happens elvira ends up getting arrested and charged with his murder so at this time when she's arrested she decides that unbeknownst to jean that she just tells the cop she's like listen like he came over he put some arsenic in august griddle cakes which i think are pancakes i don't know why they weren't eating waffles why the fuck were they eating griddle cakes and not waffles they're belgian and i'm just kind of like what the hell is like is this like a football situation like like football versus soccer do belgians call waffles griddle cakes (laughs) are all their griddles shaped like a waffle all of their griddles are shaped like a waffle i bet I don't think that's real, but... I bet you they have a W in the middle. Yeah. It's like, 
Mm. Oh no, it would be like a G. Yeah, red okay. So she's she's open to talking about this, except for that because they're married, her testimony is not able to be used. You can't testify, or you can choose not to testify against your spouse, or maybe you couldn't at the time. I think you I can. Know. I thought you just couldn't like, like if you, if you didn't want to testify, you could be like, I can't say bad things about my spouse, so leave me alone. Yeah, I I don't know what the deal is, but they decide like, oh, we don't we don't have enough evidence yet in order to charge her or Jean. So what we're going to do is we're just going to be like, what, I guess, whatever. Let's just let them keep going about their life. Oh, there's a thunderstorm warning. There's a thunderstorm warning. Is Is it it here? No, it is very far away at my house. Perfect, perfect. So griddle cakes, poisoning, nobody does anything. But this whole situation with Elvira getting arrested for it and learning that August has been exhumed really spooks Jean a little bit. And he decides he's going to get some help going on. So while Elvira's down with the cops, Jean heads over to her dad's farm. And he finds him and he finds Elvira's brother-in-law, who's also his brother-in-law. So he's like, hello, father-in-law. Hello, brother-in-law. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yep. And he, he pops over there and he says to them, like, hey, guys, listen, I need you to come with me to get... Elvira out of jail she's been arrested we know that apparently he knows that he can go pick her up and so he tells them like we got to go to Green Bay right now were they shocked were they like what the hell is she doing in jail or were they like fuck she got caught well Elvira is a little bit colorful and they they may not have been surprised that she ended up in jail but anyway they decide that they're going to help him they're going to go with him I don't know why he needs help because the guy's rich and you'd think he could just get his own Yeah, why does he? Why can't he get himself a gentleman? Well, this is why. Oh, because so it has to be a secret. He needs help. So while the brother-in-law is getting his horses ready because he's going to drive them, maybe they were drunk or something, I don't know. But <laughs> his brother-in-law is, like, unhitching the horses, and, like, Jean sneaks up over to him, and he's like, hey, listen, brother-in-law, I got a favor to ask you. I just imagined him tiptoeing. Yeah, he probably he's did. Like he's like tiptoeing with his cross-eyed. Yeah, and he's like, "Hello, <laughs> I got a favor to ask you." Favor to ask. But this is all in French. So, um, so he comes over and he's like, he's like, "Listen, man, I am in for it. If you don't help me, well, we're in Green Bay. Go to the cemetery, dig up wife number two, and get her moved somewhere else because this bitch has arsenic in her stomach too." That like, is a tall order. Yeah, he's just like, listen, man, I you you got to help me out. This she she was poisoned too, and I I seriously need to get her out of there. And brother in law is like, fuck no, man. And he tells him, I will not do this for all of Green Bay. You can give me all of Green Bay, but I will not help you move your. What dead does that wife's mean? Body. Give me all of Green Bay. Like he well, gets all the land in the. Whole he's just saying he can't pay him to do it. You know, like like even if you could offer me to own the whole city of Green Bay, I'm gonna say fuck no. That's a good man. Yeah. Apparently, green like owning Green Bay was the land of his dreams, and so yeah, so that's that's where they end up. And he's like, no, he's like, but we still got to go get Elvira. I guess he doesn't he doesn't know about it at this point. And Alex isn't involved in this conversation, so they all get in the buggy or whatever the cart. I, I don't know what they use. I think it's a buggy, probably. Yeah. So they they pile in there and they're driving to Green Bay, and then because brother in law said no, and brother in law knows about it already, he starts asking Elvira's father, Alex. And he's saying, hey, Alex, listen, this is going to look really bad for Elvira if you don't help me move my dead wife's body. Because already her husband, her her dead husband has arsenic in his stomach. They know about that. If they dig up the other one, they're going to think that she poisoned my wife. I feel like the family was like the other family was going to, they were getting something out of this deal. I just don't believe that they were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That was a surprise. They, they could have, but I think he had the balls to say it because he thinks that this guy's going to protect his daughter. The circumstances are very suspicious. Yeah. So August dies, wifey number two dies, everybody dying up in this bitch. Yeah. They knew. They it's all the 1800s, knew. Though. They just I just imagine that people just it. died all the time then. Yeah. Like you get a headache and you're like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is, I think. Toothache, it gets infected, oh, I'm dead. Like... People died a lot. 
Yeah. Anyway, father is like, I'm not going to help you move your dead wife out of the cemetery today. We need to just go get my daughter. And so they do. They just go get the daughter. John is still probably like, oh, fuck, man. What am I going to do here? And they, they do get him on. They get they get him out or they, they get sorry. They get Elvira out. Life goes on. And it's possible that he continues. There's a lot of other people around that said, you know, hey, he approached me about this too, trying to get me to help. He's just making body. everybody feel awkward as hell. Yeah, probably. That's and not a short like, what the hell? What is this? Um, maybe he was just blaming his wife at the time and saying like, hey, I'm trying to help out this lady that loved me so much that she murdered everybody. Please help me move the body. They do think that he, at this time, enlisted the help of his son named Jules. Named? Well, first of all, that's a fake name. But you didn't name yourself after this. I didn't name myself after this body mover, <laughs> this body snatcher, grave digger. They, they they do think that his son Jules helped him dig up the body and move it. And the reason that they think that it got moved to his farm is because another son, Gregory, at one point was plowing the field and is said to have run into an arm what that the fuck? came out of the ground and that it was wearing his mother's wedding ring. No. Yeah. And after that, Gregory, the guy that dug it up, the son, he is just gone after that. Like, whoa, whoa. John claims that he moved to Michigan to become a logger, but there's no records of this guy ever existing, dying in Michigan ever. He he may have been murdered by murder Grandpa John, too. If I was out in a field, I'm just like, I'm just working on like, plow, plow, plow. And then I'm like, oh my god, there's my mom's arm and also her wedding ring. <laughs> I would be like, running through the field of mom's arm and just be like, flapping. Be like, <laughs> you would do Yeah, I'd pick it up. I would run with it away from dad. This is like a, like a month's old dead arm. Ooh, it's probably got slippage. Yeah. Like, what if the skin was, like, slipping off of the arm? Like, maybe it was, like, a, like it would be yucky, but with the ring on it. I would still run with it. Oh, good for you. Because I wouldn't want our murder dad to get me. Well, I'm guessing, like, because he's a man, he's probably, like, goes up to him and he's like, I found mom's arm, bitch, <laughs> let's fight. And then John was like, I'm, I'm a murderer, I'm going to kill you right now. And he did. I feel like he, I, I hope that he, like, that they did, like, a battle to the death with the arm. Yeah. yeah. He'd be like, you took mom, I'm going to poke your eyes yeah. out with this mom hand. Yeah. Either way, at that time, whether or not that actually happened, like, life just, just goes on. Life just goes on. For Jean and Elvira, like, they continue. So this is wife number three again, Elvira, because I know it's confusing. They just go on, and they have an okay kind of marriage. But not really. It's pretty rocky, according to many. Some of the major events that have taken place in this marriage include Jean's first daughter, Henriette, that we talked about. She's 21 years old at the time. She continued to live with them, but um, she gets she's being abused so heavily by Jean that she ends up in an, in, an insane asylum. Holy at shit! One point. Yeah. Also, quite a bit into this, Elvira one day beats his daughter from wife number two, Clara, beats the shit out of her so badly that she ends up placed in a foster home. So, like, everybody's just beating the fuck out of everybody. Yeah. The, it's it's a bad situation there. Even Elvira is Elvira. a piece of shit. Elvira is a piece of shit. Yeah. She killed our old-timey grandma. Oh, no. I think he killed our old-timey grandma. Murder but grandpa I think she Victim. Yeah, because wife number two is our third great-grandmother. So our great-great-great-grandmother. Number two is our great-great-great-grandmother. Correct. Yeah. So. R.I.P. Yeah. But Jean gets pissed off at Elvira for beating that daughter Clara so badly because apparently he cares about her but not the other one. And he decides that he's going to beat the shit out of him and Elvira's four-year-old son, Henry. And kills him. Because that makes sense. The four-year-old died? Yeah. He killed him. Yeah. That part is awful. That is terrible. During this time, based on all these things that are going on, Elvira makes three failed attempts to divorce Sean between 1874 and 1886 when they were married. Because that's not the way to do it. Yeah. You got to kill that fucker. So that includes her being there for two years after he beat her son to death. Holy 
shit. Can you imagine? Like, how come there's no authorities that will come in and be like, excuse me, sir, you beat your four-year-old to death and then do something about that? He's just getting away with all sorts of bad things. Yeah, because they can just explain it away. Like, well, it's the 1800s. People die. Of caved-in face syndrome? Well, they don't know. He probably just buried him in the yard. That's like, like, well, that kid's gone. I guess there was like old west going on somewhere. This is a this is an interesting time. Like the Civil War is going on, you know, like yeah, not quite yeah. at that time, but a little bit beforehand. It's pretty primitive still. And so it it kind of keeps going on like that, not a good situation. But 12 years after Esperance, so wife number two, 12 years after her death and two years after Henry's death, the police do start to investigate Jean again. Okay. But this is still 12 years after they originally charged Elvira with it, which is crazy. But they did try to dig up the body at one point of... Everybody's just digging up bodies like nobody's... The police try to exhume it is what I'm trying to say. August's body was pulled up. They found the poisonous stomach. They did at one point try to dig up Esperance, wife number two, but she wasn't there. Her body was gone. So she was moved for sure. That's because her arm was out in the field high-fiving. Yeah. Probably other dead bodies. Yeah, so that's exactly what it is. But police do decide at this point that they're going to try to go back and request participation from Elvira again because they they do know that she's been trying to get out of this marriage and it hasn't worked. And they decide, hey, we're going to keep you out of the heat if you would be willing to get divorced from him and testify against him. So they got some leverage now. Yeah. It's clear that she doesn't want to be married. So she says, yeah, let's try to divorce him again. And so she moves out and tries to divorce him and is almost successful. But... On New Year's Eve of 1886, Elvira, wife number two, comes to, or wife number three, comes to the house with a male friend to pick up her belongings. Ooh, who's yeah. num- who is that guy? Not a clue. But Jean scares the friend away, but Elvira is like, fuck, I gotta get my shit out of here. So she stays, despite this guy taking off. That night, neighbors claim to have heard a pistol shot. <gasps> yeah. Fucking kills number three? Well, we don't know that for sure, but Jean's grandchildren claim that in those days, so January 1st through the 3rd of 1887, that he spent three days baking in the outdoor kitchen on the farm, but there were no baked goods to show for it after. He's like, do you know the muffin? Yeah. And then he's like, no, I ate all the fucking muffin. Yeah, I just got really hungry and I kept doing things. So he totally cooked her and that's all about that. He fucking cooked her? Of course he did. Like, what else would he have done? What do you mean he cooked her? Well, I don't know. He's baking outside. There's, like, heat going. People in the house can see that he's doing something out there. Did it smell like beef stew or fucking muffins? I don't know. It was his grandkids. It was grandkids that told on him because his kids were, like, not in it. They were not. They were like, excuse me, children. Do you know what your grandpa's been up to? And they're like, I don't know. He's been baking some muffins. But I never got any muffins. Okay. I'm like, what man, do they, do men bake muffins? Men don't time? bake muffins, and they also don't do unless the dishes. Unless they're a baker by trade. Maybe oh, yeah, unless they were the baker. Maybe. The baker and the candlestick maker? Yeah. Is that from that time period? I think the baker and the, the candlestick maker, and then the, what's the other guy in the rub-a-dub tub? Yeah. Is it a rub-a-dub tub? I don't know. The rub-a-dub dub, three men in a tub. Who's the third man in the tub? <laughs> A butcher, a baker, and a candlestick. Oh, you gotta have a butcher. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) He was both. He was the butcher and the baker. He was the butcher and the... He was like a combo pack. It's because his eyes were going in two different directions. I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't let it go. It's like all I can see is him with his cross-eyed bullshit going on. Like trying to whack at things and... And like baking them and... Baking them. Yeah, so... Their divorce trial was supposed to be a few days from this, like, to be granted for the divorce. And Elvira never shows up. She she never shows up to this. Nobody ever sees her again. Well, she decided to move away. It's fine. Yeah, totally. Except for that, they did search his house. And, and I'm not sure if this is right away or later on because it doesn't seem that anything was done about it. But they searched his home for her. They did find blood splatters out in the area blood that spatters. they were in. Blood spatters. I think it's, it must be blood spatters. I think it's just blood spatter. All right. I do like that you said they found They found splatters of, you know, like the droplets of blood. I don't know. 
Okay. All right. Well, they found it. Okay. And they did find a chunk of her hair in his cellar. <gasps> that's, that's like a, you should have start with, you should have led with that. It should have been like, there was a thunk, a chunk of her hair, a funkin' chunk of her hair. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I wanted to lead up to that. Okay. The crescendo. That's the crescendo and the end of that. So we, we don't know what happened to Elvira, but let's straight up. She got butchered and baked a candlestick whack. maker to Oprah over in the Maybe he kitchen. could make candles out of her, her Maybe body he fat drippings. Oh, what is wrong with you that you thought of that? So many things. I don't know. He just came out on you. We are direct descendants <gasps> of this man. Murder grandpa just came out of me. Yeah. His essence. You got a little bit of murder grandpa in you. So I probably do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so shortly after this on February 18th, because that was obviously that was New Year's Eve and day and the days after February 18th, that same year, though, Jean is finally arrested for the murder of wife number two, Esperance. Which, you know, 12 years after she had been killed and a month and a half after Alvaro went missing. So pretty, pretty quick there. There is a bail hearing and her dad decides to come in and help testify or maybe he's compelled to come in and help testify. He does tell his story eventually about, you know, like what happened that night when Jean came and asked him if he would come help get Alvaro out of prison and asked about big enough bodies. I just wanted to mention it only because he's a scoundrel. <laughs> he's a scoundrel. <laughs> he is. He's like 76 years old and apparently a little rough on the edges. He's sitting on the stand and he's like, could I get some beers to drink in here? And starts talking back to the lawyer. And he's like, if you're asking me these questions, you sh- you're a smart man. You should be smart enough to figure these out on your own. He's a sassy one. Yeah, he did eventually cooperate, though, and, and talked about that a little bit. So that's great. I mean, it's kind of like a requirement for the Belgians to be drunk. I, as far as I know, given that we're super Belgian, yeah, I just that's how the family. That doesn't mean that we're drunk all the time. I am not like murder grandpa like that. I don't drink, but it's in us and our family. They're not alcoholic drunks. They're just like they like to have a beer in their hand. They have fun. All right, well, let's move on. The trial starts pretty much right away in March of 1887 because they're on top of their shit. They're not on top of their shit. This is like 12 years later. I know, but from being charged to starting a trial three months or a month. Yeah, that's that's, that's a speedy trial. That's a speedy trial. That they we had a right to a speedy trial. Things they don't do it like they used do to. Do you feel like, do you feel like the judge was like constantly like banging his gavel? Like, I think so. Sir, yeah. who the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> Are you looking at the candlestick maker? <laughs> Look at me. But he couldn't tell. That probably was it. That's got to be it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Jean is convicted of the murder and he is sent to Wapan for a life of heavy labor after only 45 minutes of jury. Is that how they write it? Like in the sentence? Yeah. I sentence you to a life of heavy labor. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Basically. But Jean is like, fuck this. I need to appeal. And he did so and eventually got everything overturned in November of 1888. How the the fuck did he get everything overturned? Well, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said that the evidence was incompetent. It wasn't enough, according to them. Your, Your wife's skin wasn't blackened enough. Yeah, but this doesn't mean that he gets out. His conviction's overturned. It just means that he gets a new trial. And because everybody knows all about him and that he's a murder grandpa, they moved the trial from Green Bay to Oshkosh. Oshkosh, bagosh. You can't say it without saying bagosh afterwards. I know, you can't. They were all wearing overalls, by the way. All of the jurors were wearing overalls. (laughs) They were wearing Oshkosh, bagosh. They were wearing Oshkosh, bagosh overalls. They were farmers. You betcha. All right, okay. This new trial gets started on May 7th of 1890. And I do want to just read this really amazing newspaper clipping that I came across while I was researching this. I'm ready. Here we go. Perhaps no heterogeneous collection of people were ever seen in the Winnebago courthouse than the witnesses who are here attending the Sequet trial. Nearly all of them are Belgians. The garments that some of them wear would form a splendid study for an artist who likes to paint in bright colors. There is a pretty lass of 19 who wears a dress which may have done service at her mother's wedding. Beside her stands a tall, gaunt figure of a man who has some facial disease, (laughs) which prompts him to partially conceal his countenance with a napkin. 
In fact, all the witnesses in dress, personal appearance, and peculiarities are strikingly grotesque. Yes! Few of them understand a word of the English language, and nearly all of the testimony will be given to the jury through the aid of an interpreter. You, sir, are a grotesque. Can you believe that they just said that shit out of the newspaper? I love it. It's crazy. I, it's crazy. I love it. News, old newspaper articles are like, they're golden. They're just like calling people out, that, for, yeah. that deformed man. And I'm just going to call it out right now, like for our future episodes, I'm going to plan this. But like, I feel like we should include a newspaper clipping in as many of our cases as possible. Uh, that That's the whole, re- like, I was so excited to be able to get a subscription to the to the website for the old timey newspaper articles. Like, I, I felt like I needed an excuse to do that. I just, I even like the old ads that are next to them. It's so much They're fun. great. Like yeah. some of the cases that I'm looking at right now, I'm finding some doozies in there. Yeah, there's some, there's some stuff out there. All right, let's, let's hop back to this though. Jean does get fucked again. And on May 17th, the jury deliberates for a little bit longer this time for five hours and 15 minutes and they find him guilty. Solid. Yeah. The trial cost $10,000. I thought you were, I thought you were going to say the trial cost $10. No. That would be... 150000 in today's money. No, it's 10000 in old-timey money, which is a lot. That is a lot. It's modern-day 318000 probably more based on inflation this year. And uh, increase that yeah. by 8%. Yeah, so Green Bay had to, like, forward that money over to Oshkosh. Oh, I bet the people were pissed. They were probably like, you used our tax dollars. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. They, I think they had it under control. They're but like, gosh, gosh, bagash. Yeah, what are again, you using yeah. our monies for? Once again, he gets sentenced to a life of hard labor at Wapan, but he gets pissed at the sentencing. And I don't know how this goes about, but basically he makes the statement that he will escape from prison and for every day that he spends in jail, he'll kill someone. Did he do a fist shake? I, I'd imagine. Was he doing like the angry fist shake in the air? He'd be like, I swear that for every day, and he's doing this in French, though, for for every day, I don't know how to do a French (laughs) accent, I will take a life. Did you, I want you all to know, (laughs) I want you all to know that DC inherited the fist shaking from murder grandpa. She fucking did that. We were in a car and she said, she said, hey, watch this. This will be funny. Out of nowhere, does an angry fish shake at this man. We have to follow him for three fucking miles. I was probably overcome with the spirit of murder, Grant. He was scared. And I was like, I, was... I must shake my fist at this man who has done zero things wrong. Oh, you made him so uncomfortable. What the fuck? He was worried about what he did wrong. You put me in a predicament. But I was there in the predicament with you. I didn't choose that. Whatever. Life for me. I did choose that life for you. All right, let's get back to this. Murder Grandpa, he's in prison. He's pissed doing this hard labor because he's like, fuck that. I'm a rich old man that has a farm who probably did hard labor there. But in early October, after only four months in prison, Jean does escape while working on the prison farm. It has been rumored in our family that he escaped dressed as a nun. So the story we were always told is that one priest and a nun went into the prison and they came out two nuns and a priest. I thought it was like the start of a bad joke, but it was like two two nuns went into the jail and three came out and one was ugly as fuck. <laughs> With cross eyes. With cross eyes. I, that, that wasn't really how it happened. He just got away by himself, I guess. So don't worry. I'm not going to smash your nun hopes and dreams. But yeah, please don't take that yeah. away from me. One of his daughters had been a nun before she got married. And so there are some speculations whether or not at one point he had gotten a nun uniform from her. Can you do that? Can you just like, can you be a nun? And then just like one day you're like, ah, this isn't for me. I want to bang. Well, if you're like, I want to bang, they're not going to, what are they going to do? Be like, you have to stay here and keep banging. And, like, do you have to run you're away? Stay there and break the rules. I don't know if you run away. I think you can probably just tell I them. I feel like, like in the 1800s, you'd be like jailed in stone. Like, can you get a divorce from God? No one knows. No, you can't get I mean, a divorce from God. That's, you can. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look that up later. If there's somebody in the three listeners that are listening to us right now and you know 
something about how you go about getting divorced from God, please let us know. In the court of our good Lord, you can't just up and leave him and be like, "Mm, I want to get married now because I'm horny. No. Maybe that, maybe she felt they were really soulmates. They were really soulmates. Okay, let's get back to the story. Okay, so because Murder Grandpa John had sworn at his sentencing that he would take a life for every day spent in prison, people in Green Bay, especially those who like lived near him and testified, were crazy scared. Were they like losing their shit? Things were bananas. They're like, cross-eyed man, he's coming for me. Yeah. And I can't tell if he's looking at me or not. Yeah, the newspaper articles were silly over it, but people did get so crazy worked up over it that the reward for his arrest was raised to $500. $500? Yeah, that's a lot. I didn't look up how much that was in today. It was like... But with 400% inflation of today, it's got to be a lot. Yeah. What did happen, there are a lot of people that said right after this that they witnessed Jean sightings around Green Bay, and they did say that he was dressed as a nun. They were just like, they were just like murder grandpa sightings. Yeah, in newspapers, it was like, murder grandpa seen here and murder grandpa seen there. Did you see that in papers? It didn't say murder grandpa. That's the name I gave him. But what did it say? It was just like, we saw a nun and it was... We saw an ugly fucking nun. Yeah, something like that. Probably. There's just all these, these things going on. They do think that when he fled to Oregon with his son, Jewel, eventually, because we do have proof that this happened. Is he like Jewel the singer or Jules? Like Jules. His real name is Julius. Julius, like Julius Caesar. But he went by Jules. They think that he probably was disguised as a nun during this trip and maybe some trips afterward. So we know he went there, but while there, there was some some stuff going on. He stayed mostly with Jules, according to what we've been able to find, but he used an alias of John Reno. There was a guy with John Reno as his name that was apparently a French uncle that lived with Jules at the time, that there's no record of him ever coming over to America. There's no record of him being in France, where they said he was from. People have looked into it. That's just not a thing. And so John Reno did go in and out of this insane asylum slash poorhouse. He did die there, a free man in 1910, at the age of 83 from prostate cancer. So the poorhouse is synonymous with the crazy house yeah they're all one big like that's that's just it they're like 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 it's a poor house for crazies oh that's unfortunate yeah i don't feel bad for his dumb ass yeah but the, the sightings in the green bay area did continue during this time and so i thought because i was like well we have somebody in our family that was alive at the same time as somebody who would have been alive at the same time as him so i asked our mom because i was like well her grandma was his granddaughter. And I know that we had like heard stories about something about addicts and keeping people and pretending you don't know your grandpa. Yeah, I thought somebody had a lie about grandpa being in the attic above the bar. Kind of, kind of, but not really. So it wasn't the bar that was a different part of the family. Things Things get twisted up in families. But what I was able to come up with, this grandma of our mom's, who would have been our great She's also our grandma then. Yeah. She's our great grandmother, but our mom's actual grandma, right? Oh, her, so like our great grandma. Our great grandma was murder grandpa's granddaughter. Gotcha. Okay. She was born in 1903, which had been seven years before he died. Her dad was not his son, but her mom was the daughter of murder grandpa. And she was married to a rich man who had about 300 employees in the Green Bay area. Damn. So we know this guy is in and out of the poorhouse and he might need some money. She says when she was a little girl, would have been pretty young, that A, first of all, even though she said she didn't know her grandpa anyway, she constantly, her and her siblings were told, do not ever say that you know your grandpa. If anybody asks you about your grandpa, just, I don't know him. That's it. Don't say anything. But one time... She had 14 kids in her family, and she knew that all the 14 kids were in the lower part of the house, and her parents kept telling her, don't go in the attic at all. 
How do you know that all 14 of them are in the lower? Well, she's looking around. They're like she fucking hears, She hears some sound up in the attic, and she's looking around, and she sees all her siblings are down there. All the people that live in the house are down there. She did a head count. Yep, and she's still hearing stuff from the attic, but her parents are like, don't look in the attic. Like, don't go up there. Don't look in it. So she's like, fuck this. I'm going to go peek in that attic. Because if somebody tells you don't on. look in the attic so many times, yeah, you're yeah, like, I kind of want to know if there's candy up there. Yeah, so she cracks open the door to the attic, and she sees this old man back there. I nobody said whether or not there are cross eyes or a beard, Fuck. but I bet you he had like probably a cross eyed old man. But he was glaring at her, and he slams the door shut. Cross eyes were glaring. Yeah, my theory is that he would come back to Green Bay sometimes, maybe dressed as a nun, and ask his daughter with the wealthy husband for money. I would never fucking sleep if I was seven years old or less. And I knew that there was a crotchety, creepy ass old man up. I know murdering grandpa in yeah. the attic. Like he gonna get you. Yeah, that. But that that's my guess is that that's what was going on because it makes sense that people would be also like what know. other what other like old man or just like there's what a, other old man's gonna be right in the like attic? well we put a drifter in the attic yeah. just to keep you kids in line. <laughs> I, I don't really know. There's other stories out there that he had escaped back to Belgium or stayed in the attic of family in Green Bay permanently. But it seems to me, especially since he very likely died of prostate cancer in the poor house in Oregon, that that was the case. But he just came back and visited, is my guess. I don't think he was like, I miss my children. Let's go visit. I, I miss my children. Yeah. I would like to see my grandchildren through the cracks of the floor. Yeah, but nonetheless... True crime is seriously in our blood. It is. It, it really, like, it, it follows us. Yeah, so with that, I think we can sign off from this episode. Thank you for listening. All three of you. For, for real. Hopefully. Even if you're our family members. Thank you. And hopefully this recording doesn't suck ass. Yes. Yes.